Hello and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. So a little bit about me and what Behind the Wheel is all about. A few years ago, I thought I had it all. A great job, great money, an amazing wife, and on the way to, to, to get to the top within my field of work. However, I was really, really fat, like really large. And soon, to, uh, due to a variety of reasons, I found myself in a, in a different job that I really hated. Very quickly, I found myself in a very dark place, hating what I was doing each day and using food and sleep as my mechanism. It got so bad that I used to sleep till, till about 5 p.m. Because after my wife would come home, I'd rush out of bed, do the dishes and pretend like I'd been up for the entire day. It's crazy how life can take a turn for the worst so quickly. I had huge limiting beliefs as well, such as there was no way of finding a better job despite my wife's continuous rambling about how I deserved a better job and I could do very well finding something that I absolutely loved. I didn't listen, but the more I didn't listen, the more my belly began to grow. I woke up one day and realized that it was time to change. And in that moment, I realized that perhaps the most easiest thing to do was change my health. So I began going to a gym and the weight slowly began to drop. It was during this period that I began also to change my outlook on life. I stopped, stopped blaming the people around me. I stopped blaming my boss. I stopped blaming, like, blaming the wife. And I took real, real accountability for my situation and where I found myself in. Over time, things got better. And I found myself in a much better job and in a much better shape. However, not too long ago, I found myself crying. A grown man crying for sleep. Rather pathetic, right? See, I always knew that I wanted to achieve so much in life. I looked up, I looked up to the greats of Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and Muhammad Ali and Bill Gates. People who achieve so much in life. See, before, I just told myself that they were lucky, that the stars just aligned for them, and I had no chance of even creating, as Steve Jobs famously said, my own dent in the universe. I always, always had a huge passion for cars, and I wasn't doing anything about it. Day by day, week by week, I went to bed thinking, what if, and then shrugged it off. But in that moment, when you're on your bed, your pillow wet with tears of regret, with a bit of embarrassment, I made a decision. That decision was to create something that is based on my passion for cars, as well as my desire to ensure that nobody ever goes through what I've been through. Here is where I stand. We only have one life. Behind the Wheel seeks to unite those who want to live a life of purpose, passion, meaning and service through our common and shared love for cars that push the bounds of speed, luxury and performance. Through this podcast, you will hear from people who work and or own some of the most phenomenal cars on the face of Earth to hear from them how they got to where they are and share in our joint fascination for cars that push the boundaries of what is possible every single day. I am absolutely delighted to welcome Cam from Players Cars. Cam, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Mohammed. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, my name's Cam. Uh, I work for Players Cars as essentially a sales executive. So, I help people find the dream cars for the dream budget, really. And yeah, um, pretty fun role. My day to day, day to day, sort of. Yeah, my day-to-day looks like I get to the office for about 8 o'clock. I usually, well, I always do start by having a coffee. Uh, can't really get much work done without it, I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, I work live for the first half an hour. I usually just sit down, chill, look at some cars that I quite fancy myself, 
uh, things like that. Uh, then about half past eight, I'll, uh, I'll log on to my phone, my email, and my various social media accounts, see if there's any leads come through during the night. Uh, and then uh, my day is sort of more reactive than planned. Uh, it's, uh, it's an ever-changing role, so some days I might have uh, a card that I'm delivering down to London, for example, so it's pointless me planning to send out 50 emails when I'm going to be driving for four, uh, three hours a day. Uh, so on days like that, I just, just wait for things to come in. I'll uh, answer phone calls, and if I've got any pre-booked calls, I'll just do that on the sort of car's Bluetooth. But my day-to-day life can differ from delivering a supercar down to Cornwall uh, to just sit in and reply to emails, really. So it really is really rough with a smooth. I I will get to what it's like to to drive supercars and drive amazing cars every single day. But before that, I want to go yeah. on to players' cars as as a company. Um, obviously, as as the name suggests, and as you said, originally it was about providing cars to um, I guess rich, famous people. Is that is that right? Yeah, so we're predominantly football players, hence the hence the players in the what you call it, hence the players in the name. So yeah, originally we were supplying uh, mainly cars to football players, Premier League standard, and obviously below, but mainly Premier League standard. So obviously really expensive cars to really well paid uh, professionals, but we thought we did such a good service for them. Um, we felt it were a bit harsh, leaving out the, the rest of the world, the rest of the UK, essentially. So we've actually branched out our concierge service to uh, to the full UK. So we have a free UK delivery, uh, as long as you're in the mainland UK. I mean, we couldn't really drive a car to Gibraltar for free, but yeah. we'd go as far as Cornwall and uh, John O'Groats. Uh, so as long as you're on the main island, you get free UK delivery, and we still treat cust- we still treat our normal customers just the same as we treat a Premier League customer. It's no different because uh, of the level of individual. Everyone gets the same service. Uh, it just so happens that uh, we started out uh, started out supplying cars to footballers. And what what sort of cars are we talking about? I mean, for for these these uber wealthy, you know, famous people. I mean, what 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 sort of cars would they typically go for? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, the uber wealthy want something that stands out, it's a bit different. So it could be anything from a, a Lamborghini right the way through to a Rolls Royce. It really depends on their personal taste, really, doesn't it? Because uh, just because someone's got a million pounds, don't mean they're going to like a Ferrari, and uh, vice versa. And how, how, how particular are these people about cars? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I presume that they've got a real passion for cars and they, 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 they love the speed and the luxury. I mean, are they, are they, what, what are they like as, as, as people with regards to the cars that they buy? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, all the people that I've dealt with that have bought, like, prestige supercars, I've been properly into cars. They've, got, they've lived and breathed it. I recently supplied an RSQ3. Uh, to it wasn't a celebrity or anything like that. It was just a uh, a professional gentleman, and yeah, he, he absolutely lived in dream cars. Before that, he had the M5 that was fully modified, straight pipes. Uh, but yeah, it was a very high-paid job, and uh, yeah, he loved and breathed cars. He had a very specific thing that he wanted. It had to be fast, loud, and draw the crowd. So uh, he won't mind me saying this. He ended up with a bright green RSQ3 that looks like the Hulk and probably gets more looks than a, a Lamborghini. <laughs> that is amazing. That is amazing. And I mean, these these people. I mean, how do they? I mean. Um, um, I mean, I presume they're all down to work and. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the. the, the 
I mean, they really are no different to me, you, or anyone that you meet on the streets. They are just normal people at the end of the day. They just uh, they just might make a little bit more money than a few people, but uh, they're essentially just they're essentially just people. They're just humans uh, that happen to uh, like cars and uh, want to warrant spending some of their money on it. That's amazing. And uh, let's go on to the the I guess the the, the expansion into into um, into the other market I guess the market of you and I I guess to a certain degree or other people who are able to afford these cars. How how did that journey go about and 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 what was the process if you like? So the transition from supplying cars to footballers to yeah, yeah. yeah. So essentially we 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 were uh, supplying cars to footballers. Now we were doing a good job because we got some sterling reviews and we thought, well, there's a market here that's not being tapped in because we were one of the first companies to start advertising here through social media accounts rather than Auto Trader. We were one of the first to offer free UK delivery. And so we thought, well, if the footballers like it and they come to your service, it's a bit unfair not to offer it to everyone else. Uh, so we did and uh, yeah everyone seems to love it and uh, we do sell quite a few cars uh, we don't get many complaints and uh, it's quite nice and to be especially if, uh, say someone in London uh, wants a car quite a lot of people used to uh, from speaking to my southern customers used to often drive from the south to buy a car in the north to drive back down we've kind of quashed that problem uh, it's a problem we identified it wasn't just footballers that were having this issue uh, say you fancied a car in Scotland uh, and you lived down in Cornwall could you really warrant going up and driving to collect it? No but uh, if you've got a company there offering to check the car make sure it's sound uh, do all the due diligence and then deliver it down to Jarstow for your charge. I mean, what, why wouldn't you use the service? That's amazing. That's amazing. And um, in terms of, I guess, um, obviously you've you've kind of got to a place where you know, as a as a as a as a day job or as your as your career, you drive these nice cars, you work around these these really nice cars. Uh, yeah. What like? And um, and I suppose, how did you get to 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 where you are right now? Yeah, yeah, so I always loved cars. I've loved cars from as as uh, long as I can remember from watching Top Gear at like five, six, probably same as yourself. Yeah. Uh, I didn't originally go into cars from leaving school. Uh, I did a year at uni. I studied law, didn't like it, didn't know what to, I wanted to do moving forward in uni, so I thought it was pointless picking another course to potentially not like it again. I dropped out. Uh, I worked in a pub for a bit. Then I started selling advertisement. I didn't like that. And then I actually rang a recruitment company up and said, look, I don't like what I'm doing. I want to do recruitment. Will you give me a job? My CV's not very good. Uh, my manager, at the club, my, my soon-to-be manager, laughed off of me in an interview. I got the job. Uh, I ended up getting made redundant from that job because uh, the company went into liquidation. Uh, so I just found myself applying for reels, and I thought, why not? Uh, I love cars. I've done sales before. Why not try combine the two? Uh, so I actually worked in a Hyundai main dealer as my, uh, uh, what you call it, as my first job in the motor trade. Uh, but I, want, I wanted bigger and better. Uh, players' cars seemed like a, a bigger and better company. Uh, so I just thought it was a logical step uh, to go to a bigger, better company that's got a motor offer and uh, I prefer the business model. And to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of Hyundai either. <laughs> well, when you got Hyundai versus Lamborghinis and um, and, and uh, more, more kind of uh, supercars, I guess, I guess the uh, choice might be, yeah, might yeah. be a little bit more easier, isn't it? I mean, um, I mean the, the, one of the things that I'm always quite keen to talk about is 
you know, there's a lot of focus on grades and university and getting a degree and, 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 you know, getting into medicine or law or, you know, the, 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 the safer paths, if you like, to, to, to having a, having a career. And I feel like a lot of the time, the word interest or passion doesn't really come into the conversation in terms of what people actually really enjoy doing. Um, yeah. you know, and what, what do you say to someone who, you know, is um, perhaps not doing very well at school or college or even at university, that they're not really enjoying what they're doing. What advice would you have for someone who's in that position um, and is perhaps a little bit too scared about, you know, taking a little risk or, or trying, uh, trying new things, if you like? Yeah, yeah, I'd say absolutely do it. I'll be honest, I probably chose law because that's what I studied. I chose to study for a year at uni. I probably chose that because it was a safe option. Uh, everyone knows lawyers, they, pay, they paid well enough. Uh, it seemed like a semi-interesting course. I've not, not done much research into it. I got there, found out I absolutely hated it. So I'd say as much as you can err on the side of caution. Uh, if, you sit on, if you sit on a fence, for example, you're going to get splinters, aren't you? So I think uh, never play it too safe because you, you'll end up... You, you might not end up unhappy, but you'll never end up fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like, man? I mean, because, I, you know, I, you know, you know what, what's it like to go to work every single day and, and, and work around cars? Yeah, I absolutely love it. I mean... Even I spend, I get to the office at eight. I don't leave till six, seven. That's my choice. Uh, but then when I go home, I'm watching Top Gear. So it's like my whole car really like, rolls <laughs> around cars. But I wouldn't change it. What's been What's been the best car you've driven? Like in your entire best car I've driven. The RSQ3 was nice, but the best, my best delivery I ever did, uh, I actually just before Christmas I took a M4 from Leeds down to Cornwall. So about wow. about six and a half hour trip. Uh, the views down. It was you know when it's quite crisp uh, on a winter's day. So it was a crisp winter's day driving down, sun overhead, and it was just a nice car to nice car to drive down. Uh, fantastic views. And uh, when we got there, um, we went to the beach for a quick uh, just quick walk around. The views were fantastic. But the best part of it all was the customer was just ecstatic with the car. There was absolutely over the moon, so it made the six and a half drive uh six and a half hour drive down there worth it. Maybe not the six and a half hour drive back, but that's a different story. <laughs> is it is it fair to say that um, the success of the company so far is partially down to or if not heavily down to a focus on giving the customer the absolute best service, you know, um, yeah. best kind of offering. Um, is that, is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think the success of the, uh, the success of the company is absolutely being built on the service we offer. Um, I mean, the fact that we used to work with some footballers might carry some precedence, but I don't think that's enough to boost the company to where we are. We've been in business nearly t uh, over 20 years. Um, and we have most of our customers are repeat customers. Uh, they always keep coming back. So I think that shows the level of service we offer. I don't think we'd get to, get to where we've got to uh, if it wasn't for the service we offer. Uh, I mean, we offer free UK delivery uh, throughout the... Uh, mainland UK um, 
and yeah, I think yeah, a lot of it is down to the service we offer. All our cars go over a hundred point check, both cosmetically and mechanically, uh, so we ensure that the customer has a hassle-free driving experience. I mean, not every car is going to be perfect. The cars like people out there. There's hidden problems. Things can go wrong. But I like to think that uh, we manage everyone accordingly, uh, and the end result is still a happy customer. Yeah. I want to I want to talk about social media because I remember you said earlier that you were sort of one, one of the first companies to use social media um, in yes. terms of cars you've got. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, uh, as you probably know, the motor trade is very traditional and stuck in its ways. Uh, nine out of ten dealers, if not all the main dealers. Uh, subscribe heavily to Auto Trader, use it as the gospel almost and advertise all the cars through there, scrutinise on price through there and things like that. We try to move away from that uh, just so we could uh, offer and advertise our, um, advertise our cars elsewhere um, just because people don't really go on Auto Trader anymore, do they? But the days of print's dead, uh, they're getting Auto Trader magazine. People are actively on Twitter, Instagram anyway, so uh, it's not like we're distracting them or drawing them away from the day-to-day life. Um, we're just putting it there in front of them, um, but in a less sort of direct way, because we're not directing them away from the normal feeds, we're just being part of that. And I think that's what people like, they're not actively... We're not actively out trying to sell them a car. They could be just scrolling through their Instagram, see a car they like. Next minute they've dropped us a message. Uh, we've tailored them a quote that best suits their needs and they're absolutely happy with. Uh, then we offer a seamless delivery down to the front door. I mean, I think that's where it's successful, especially drawing away from the auto trader. I think it's the nicety of not having to go out and hunt for a car. Uh, you accidentally land on your dream car. I think it's so true, and I guess I guess there's there's people out there who might see one of your posts and think, one day, one day when I've got enough money, I'm going to get this car. And I presume that they will somewhat remember you guys, you know, yeah, to, yeah. To, to go back to. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then like Auto Trader as well. It's very less, it's not very personal. Uh, if as you know, you put in say Audi A3 for example, you just get a list of the prices with the car, uh and you don't really learn too much about the dealership. I think our uh, strength with advertisement through social media is building the brand. Uh, we're not reliant on the auto trader brand. I feel like if you use predominantly auto trader, you're always going to be the customer's always going to remember auto trader, aren't they? Not not yourselves. So true. It's so true. I think I think people forget that social media is really important for building a brand. And I think um, you know that you know. When you put your, your your face out there, when you can put your brand out there on social media, people will typically remember it more rather than Auto Trader. Where, let's face it, on Auto Trader you've got thousands and thousands of individual companies selling you cars. You can't yeah. really build a relationship with either of them because there's just so many out there. Um, I think what you've managed to do is build your own kind of your own kind of platform, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've built. Yeah, so people keep coming back. Uh, of course, like stories and stuff. So uh, people remember us. But yeah, we essentially we've built our own brand outside of the likes of Auto Trader. Whereas many of the like main dealers, traditionalists, are heavily reliant. So they're never going to expand too much out of uh, the realms of Auto Trader. And what were the main challenges, I guess, you know, when you were trying to expand your social media presence in, 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 in terms of the early stages? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, your biggest challenge is always going to be... Um, are people going to go on Instagram to do shopping, for example? Like, 
I know myself, my, my main aim and scrolling through Instagram aimlessly bored is not to buy something, it's just to kill some time. So I think think uh, the hardest challenge for us is adding some value content on an app that's perhaps not exactly designed to add value to someone's life. I mean, end of the day, social media, as good as it can be, it's not the best thing. Uh, it can be used in negative ways, and I think the hardest challenge for us is trying to... Uh, is uh, putting some positivity back into the into the apps, making it actually be useful for someone. Because say you was actually looking for that specific car, um, we have we have fulfilled the useful uh, usefulness there. Whereas uh, if, if it weren't there, um, you might never know about it, and you might never know to go to Auto Trader, and you might go on Auto Trader see the cars 150 miles away and think, well it's never going to be achievable because I'm not going to drive 150 miles for the chance that I might like it. Uh, so if they've seen it on our Instagram page, drops us a message, we can do them a fully tailored video before we deliver that car down to explain the full spec and features and make sure it is the right car for us because at the end of the day, one thing we don't want is an unhappy customer, uh, a customer with a car they don't want because... One, it just creates more problems for us, and two, it's not, not what we're here to do. We want people to be happy. We want people to uh, look at the player's brand and think, yeah, that's a good company. They sell good cars, and they offer an exceptional service, which is uh, as hassle-free as it can be. Obviously, not everything is going to go as smooth as we want it to. You know, cars, as I say, uh, the odd thing can go wrong, but we like to think uh, we rectify that in the best way possible. I mean, we don't have many problems, but as I say, nothing can be perfect, can it? So I think uh, sometimes it's those problems that shows the real uh, light of a company because anyone can sell a perfect car and uh, do a good job, but it's when you when you do uh, encounter an issue, uh, I think a company shows its true colours. Yeah, so true. So true. I mean, Problems, issues are inevitable, let's face it, but it's how you respond to it that's just so, so important. I think companies often jump to trying to defend themselves or trying yeah. to sort of brush it off or whatever, but actually, it's, I, think, I think the end customer just appreciates honesty, integrity, and a bit of, we got it wrong, but, but we're going to fix it by doing A, B, and C, which I think is so, so important. You mentioned there about social media um, and how you know, it has both pros and cons, and I think, I think it's such a good point there because I think often people... You know, people often look down on social media as this horrible thing, but we forget they can achieve both negative and very, very positive outcomes as well. And I think, I think often we often um, stereotype social media as this really bad thing, but it can have such, such, such a massive positive role as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not uh, all doom and gloom, but it's not, not all sunshines and smiles. Either it all depends on the content and uh, what your intention is to use it, really. So, such a good point. Intention is so, so important. I mean, I, I think, I think if, if the intention is to put bad things out there, then obviously that, that's not great. But there are many, many people like yourself who have an intention of just providing value. And, just, and, 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 and that is that's such a key point. COVID-19, obviously we have to talk about it. Um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had that with a couple of people from other dealerships how it's affected the industry how's it affected you and what's what's been your 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 take on it uh, I mean, it has had a big effect on the industry. We read something earlier today that uh, the plate change month, which is obviously this month, uh, it's the worst order uptake in February since 1952 or something like that. So it has obviously had a negative impact on the industry. That coupled with Brexit has actually uh, caused used car prices to, to rise. 
However, uh, it's not changed our business too much. A lot of our sales were predominantly online anyway. So click and collect services, we've been out of run as normal with us delivering the car down. The only difference it's really made for ourselves is we can't offer test drives to local customers and we've not had anyone on site uh, really and had a reduced uh, work staff within the office uh, just due to um, the, the government's guidelines and things like that. Uh, so we have noticed some changes, uh, but from the company itself not massively because uh, a lot of what we're doing anyway was online uh, which obviously is still alright to go ahead you can still order a t-shirt online so why wouldn't you be allowed to order a car as long as you're happy with it and uh, things like that so yeah um, it has obviously affected the industry as a whole but we haven't been affected too greatly just due to our business model anyway and how have, how have customers reacted to you know the idea that they're not able to perhaps take a test drive with a car or see it in person. I mean, have, have they been quite quite open um, to, to you know, taking a video of the car instead rather than Yeah, seeing- yeah. So, like, for example, our customers that are a distance away, my best and leads the customers that say, like, 100, 200 miles um, away from us, they was buying the car without test driving it and seeing it anyway. Um, so it's not really affected them as much. What it has affected is, uh, again, more traditional people. Uh, some people will not buy a car without seeing it or driving it first. Fair play to them. That's their view. I'm not going to knock it. Uh, we, ha- we have had a few people say, look, I won't drive it without seeing it or, buy- uh, seeing it or driving it. And uh, to them we say, well, fair play. Um, that's your decision. I think you'll find it difficult to buy a car right now. However, when lockdown eases and we are allowed test drives and viewings again, you're more than welcome to come come down, have a look, make sure the car is right for you if it's still available. If not, we'll probably have something else suitable and just make sure it is right. Um, so in that effect, it has, has affected some customers, but... Um, but um, they're not exact. They're, they're not going to be in a position to buy from anyone until lockdown eases anyway. So, I mean, it's not really lost. It's just on hold, isn't it? And in in terms of competition, I mean, have you seen competition increase um, over the last couple of years with regards to you know um, you know uh, uh, more 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 dealerships um, coming up? And and how how do you sort of apart from obviously the amazing customer service that you have? How do you differentiate yourselves from 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 the rest of the from the rest of the pack? Yeah, yeah. So as anything, there's always going to be competition. Whether you're selling lemons or cars, someone's always going to come along try to do it. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to. Uh, since lockdown, we've obviously noticed a lot more uh, dealerships offering click and collect services, sales online, and free UK delivery. Uh, however. I feel like quite a lot of them are playing catch-up uh, to what we already had in place. I don't, we're not too worried about it as a company because I think we already have the procedures in place and everything else to uh, hit the ground running when lockdown essentially hit. I feel like a lot of the big boys might have had to change some of the policies, change the procedures and we look into the business plan. Uh, but uh, how we differentiate from our competition, other than, as you already mentioned, our amazing service, uh, we offer like full vehicle customization before we deliver the car down, whether that be exterior black packs with uh, us doing trims black, 
black, we do body kits, uh, grills, spoilers, rims, alloys, uh, and we do whatever modifications really um, the customer requires. We've got uh, really good networking connections within the motor trade, whether it's getting your windows tinted, getting a car remapped. We can offer you a fully tailored package that suits you, not only on finance, looks, and everything else. So say you came to me with a budget saying, I want this and I want it to look like that, we could make your dream a reality, essentially. That's amazing. So I think, I mean, that I've, I've, I've never come across this, the idea that actually you're not just buying the car, but you can really customize it and make yeah, it your own drives yeah. on, your, on your doorstep. Yeah, so we do a lot of uh, the Mercedes, the new, well, the Mercedes A-classes. We do a lot of the conversions to a sort of A35 look with the new style Pan American grille. Uh, we can offer the aero kits on non-performance Mercedes, BMWs. Yeah, so we offer a full customization package if you so if you want it. We do uh, vehicle wrapping as well. We've got two sets in black uh, Mercedes sat outside at the minute, and yeah, we just offer a full customization package so and say say we found a car for you that was right on everything but color uh, we could look into maybe getting that car wrapped for you so it would tick all the boxes um, and things like that do we get people who sort of have a photo and say i want i want this yeah yeah sometimes <laughs> i've got a customer on the go at the minute it keeps sending me uh keeps sending me like pictures and rs5s but wants uh, these are five to look like one so <laughs> We're just trying our best to source that uh, kit for it, um, but yeah. So yeah, we do we do have people coming with pictures. Uh, but to be honest, it's not a bad thing. It makes our life a little bit easier. In all honesty, at least they know what they're wanting. What's the um, what's the most kind of popular customization that people sort of typically go for? Uh, black wheels are very on trend at the minute. So and. Uh, the full D chromes, I think. Uh, I think chrome is a bit dated now. Uh, I don't know about your views on it, uh, but less people are wanting it. So we do a lot of D chromes. It just changes the look of the cars. I think the likes of Audi bringing out the black edition. Uh, you've got Mercedes doing the shadow edition. Uh, Mercedes do the night edition. Uh, I think that move from fully chrome trims to de-chrome trims is very on trend. So we do a lot of that. Uh, seems very very popular. A popular one on the A classes is always the Pan American grills because it really does change the the look of the cars for the better. And how 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 specific do people typically get? I mean, are they are they literally talking about you know? Even even the smallest of, of 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 things that they would like to have fitted or taken off or whatever Do, are they are they very particular? Yeah, yeah. So for example, some people are, uh, some people are. The guy on that M5, for example, he was very particular. The car we bought him actually had been debadged. Uh, the M4 badge was taken off. It was a competition, so we had to reapply the M4 badge for him as well as the competition. Uh, you can only actually buy the M badges, the official ones, from BMW, and you've got to take a logbook to show you're putting it on an actual oh my M car. God. No. Yeah, because you see a lot of the fake ones, don't you, on like 118Ds? Uh, yeah. But to get an official one, you've got to have the official logbook to prove you're putting it on an M car. Uh, and then his requirements continued he wanted black alloys which we did uh, it actually had the M-Spark Plus package or the style break you know the uh, the blue one to do he wanted mm-hmm. them red so we did them red for him uh, in the cabin we did the M buttons red for him uh, changed them for him and we did the red paddle extenders uh, so it all linked in so some people are very particular what they want some people just come to you and say I want a black
lack of your class for this, that and that and anything. It's as easy as that. It really is the rough with the smooth. Uh, but to be honest, I tend to prefer the more particular people because I just find it more fun. It's more of a challenge, isn't it? What's your most popular um, most popular brand, if you like, of... of uh, yeah, or, I'd or... say Mercedes would probably sell the most of. Um, they just look really good value, especially on the numeray classes um, with the full digital dashes. They just look good value for what you get. You get a lot of spec and a lot of car for not a great deal of money. Uh, but, yeah, I think a couple of years down the line, give it three, four years, if you've got the old-school-style st- old uh, clocks, I think they're going to look ancient. What do you um on a on a different note slightly? I mean, what for, for those people who do want to enter into the industry, the the, the car industry, um, yeah. what do you typically look for in people that want to work with you? Yeah, so just tenacity, willingness to learn and drive. Really, I mean, there's no, I wouldn't say there's any formal qualifications you need to sell sell a car. I mean, obviously, good written English always helps, but I'm actually dyslexic, so my my written English and all is the best that I survive. So my advice to anyone is just give it a go. It's the worst that can happen. I want to, I think, I think, I mean, I hope you don't mind, but that's, that, that's pretty amazing. I mean, the fact that you've got to where you are whilst being dyslexic, I think there's many people out there who are dyslexic and who feel like they can't, they can't get, can't get very far in life. You yeah. having, you, you being in that position, what's your advice to them? Yeah. I just say, obviously, so I never really consider my dyslexia to be a holdback because if you actually read into it, it just means your brain thinks slightly differently. So where my written English might be worse, I've got strength elsewhere. So I'd always say play to your strengths, never to your weaknesses because you're never going to win if you play to your weaknesses, are you? Well, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, in terms of the, 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 the challenges ahead then, uh, where do you see the future of the industry and the future of players' cars, I guess? Yeah, yeah, so the future of the industry I think is a bit of a funny one right now because obviously Brexit's had a large impact on new cars coming into the country. Uh, From uh, 2030, I think the ban on uh, internal combustion engines is coming into place, so no more petrol or diesel. I believe, but I could be wrong, Uh, hybrids are going to still be allowed. Uh, Volvo recently announced by 2025, so four years' time, they're going to cease selling uh, petrol diesel cars and all their sales are going to be going online i think that coupled with you know lockdown i think a lot of the sales has moved online you've got the likes of cinch and kazoo which have got large corporate money behind them moving a lot of the sales online uh, so i think possibly you're going to see less petrol diesel performance cars more electric uh, sort of utilitarian vehicles uh, perhaps a lot of online uh, perhaps predominantly online sales in regards to players uh, we're just going to continue to grow we're hoping to branch out we've got a branch opening down south and we just want to keep expanding 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 to supply this uh, this uh, service throughout the UK and we just want to continue growing the business is continuously growing and yeah uh, I just want to be continuously a part of that let's talk electric because there's a this is often a controversial topic um, in the sense that you know some say it's it's an inevitable move but others say it's a bit sad it's going to be yeah. sad to see the, the petrol engine go away what's your thoughts yeah I mean I'll be honest I'm a through and throughout petrol head so 
I will always prefer an interminable combustions, whether it's the fact they've got a power band which electric done, the sound, the noise and the theatricalness. However, do I think electric's the future? Uh, I don't know, only time will tell. Hyundai have got a hydrogen fuel cell car coming out in the next 10 years. Uh, I mean, there's not many filling stations for it at present, but that's meant to be a cleaner alternative because with electric cars, you've got lithium. The mining of lithium isn't the best for the yeah. environment. They only last a certain amount of time and they don't actually biodegrade. So is it a step forwards or is it just a stepping stone until we get to a cleaner uh, cleaner fuel to run our vehicles on i don't know any time will tell but personally i do prefer petrol uh petrol and diesel to electric another another point to think about is a diesel car that's done hundred thousand miles is the point destroying that car building a full new uh, electric one because it produces less emissions out of the exhaust have you actually created less emissions or just moved the problem away it's a good point. I was having a chat with a guy who works for Alfa Romeo and yeah. um, he was saying, you know, um, you know, people don't think about the fact that, yes, electric cars are more efficient, but the process of building them and actually the batteries takes up a lot of CO2 emissions and, and yeah, the environmental yeah. impact of that is, is huge, which people don't often think about. Yeah. And the creation of electricity has obviously got some CO2. I mean, I know you're not getting any CO2 out of the rear of the car, but power plants are still making it. I mean, uh, it's not like you've got, you've just hit the problem essentially, haven't you? Indeed. Are you seeing buyers' attitudes change? Um, I mean, from, from, from your perspective at, at, at the company? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually did a poll on Instagram earlier, there with me a second, and it was on this exact topic, electric versus uh, petrol, so bear with me a second and I'll uh, see what the results are looking like. I think most people are still airing on the side of petrol. I mean, really? what you've got electric is you've got a new technology you don't really know much about, you've got a limited range, and if you run out of, if you do run out of... Uh, if you do run out of fuel, uh, it's not as simple as just putting some more in. You've got like two, three, four, five, six hours to wait. Um, you can't currently travel from John O'Groats all the way down to Cornwall on a single charge. Uh, and you'd have to stop for two, three hours on the way, if not more than once. So they're all currently uh, petrol online, but I don't know if any more wow. electric ones will come on because it's, it's only been up for about an hour or so. Do you think um, do you think players' cars will inevitably have to stock um, a greater variety of of of, of electric vehicles? Going yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't choose to not stock them. We just get less requests for them. Like outside, for example, we've got all the charging stations to facilitate an electric vehicle. But I, I think the biggest problem, in all honesty, is the cost associated. I know people that, uh, say that you save money on the running costs, but the initial purchase is usually two, three times the price of an average car. So, and especially when uh, diesel and petrol engines are so efficient now, are you really saving that much on fuel to warrant the extra cost to purchase the vehicle? Yeah, I guess um, it's a yeah. It's going to be interesting to, to see what the industry comes up with. Uh, I mean, certainly Volvo coming up with some really interesting stuff. Um, and you mentioned online sales as well. You mentioned that you know going forward, um, you're going to see a lot more of an online platform, which I guess plays to what you've done so far. I guess. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So that plays into our hands. I, I don't know how it's going to work, whether it's going to be like you buy the car directly from Volvo. Because, for example, Tesla, obviously being the biggest player in the electric field, they currently don't have any showrooms. So, and all their sales is conducted online through the website. So it's not like you've got a sales executive. Do I think this is better for the end user? I don't really know. I'd like to say no, because you've got a less personalised, tailored experience yeah. there, essentially just punching in some numbers and hoping for the best. Whereas if you've got a sales exec, he might advise you onto a car more suitable for yourself, maybe I find you a better deal. You, you're taking out sort of the human interaction for no real benefit to yourself. Uh, I think the only real benefit of taking out the sales executive is probably to the manufacturer uh, or the company that supplies the car because it's one less wage to pay essentially but you're actually taking away from the customer experience you think when you go to your favourite restaurant it's never the food you remember it's always the experience absolutely I mean I, I once heard this thing you know people don't remember what you said but they remember how you made them feel and that's, yeah. that's so, so important and I think um, I think people ultimately buy from people I think, I think yeah. that's, the, that's the reality of it people don't always buy the product they'll buy the person that's selling it it's just, it's just the way it is and also people spending 25 30 40 50 grand are they really going to feel comfortable you know transacting that amount of money to an online platform without meeting anyone personally i'm a little bit reluctant about that but yeah you know, exactly you wouldn't, you wouldn't buy a house on ebay for example would you so that's <laughs> not much different is it indeed 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 um what would be um, your one or two golden um, uh, uh, nuggets of advice um, for people who uh, are in a job that they absolutely hate? I mean, you, you mentioned before the, the need to experiment, the need to try new things. Um, you know, some people are scared. Some people are just, are just very, very, very scared about, you know, trying new things or getting themselves out of their comfort zone. Um, what would be yeah. your, your, your one or two things that you would tell them um, in that situation? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think life's too short to be average, whether that be uh, average feelings, average job. I think you should always push to be the best that you can be because at the end of the day, it's, it is a marathon, not a sprint, but if you can get there in 10 steps rather than 50, you're going to be, still be better off, aren't you? So never give up and just remain driven. Uh Keep, keep your goals in sight and just push yourself as far as you can push yourself because uh, as you say like Steve Jobs said you do want to make a dent in this universe uh, you don't want to be just a number uh, you want to make as much for yourself as you possibly can do so I'd always say keep pushing uh, never give up and uh, never settle that's amazing um, I guess finally where can people find you find us so we've got our website www.playerscars.com uh we've got players cars on instagram we've got players cars homepage on facebook uh we've got players cars on twitter uh we're on linkedin we're on every social media platform as well we are still on auto trader uh, we've got about six seven eight cars on there uh but that's just just to show the shop is open essentially we didn't want to not advertise through there and people get their own impression uh and plus it does add a little bit of legitimacy as much as i hate to admit it uh if someone's seen a car in auto trader they do know it's legit as much as but 
we could push that traffic to there from our from our social media accounts. That's amazing. Cameron, it is such a pleasure speaking to you and thank you so much for your time uh, this, 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 this afternoon and, and, um, and wishing all the best. Perfect, yeah, thank you for your time, Mohammed. Take care. Take care, mate. Speak soon, mate. Bye-bye.